Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well, and I want to thank you very much for joining me. I hope that you and yours had a good Thanksgiving holiday if you had family come in. I hope that that was a good time. I know for many it can be a stressful time when family comes in, particularly if there's tension there between believers and unbelievers and all those issues. So at any rate, if nothing else, I hope you had a few a good uh, few days off, maybe a little respite to catch up on some rest, maybe watch a little football if you do that. I watched a little bit myself, not a great deal, but I did watch a little bit. I watched Mississippi State beat Ole Miss 55-20. to 20. I was very happy about that. But you know what? Unlike uh, in years past, I would have lost sleep over that game and um, really been down in the dumps had the Bulldogs lost, but now... You know, if they had been on the other end of that, if they had been beaten by Ole Miss 55-20, I would have um, been a little disappointed, but I would have gone to bed that night and slept like a baby and not worry about it because it is, after all, just a dumb game. So, anyway, on to more pressing matters. Let us continue our study into the JWs, the Jehovah's Witnesses. I've been giving you some historical background of the organization, the cult, and in the last couple of programs we've been talking about, maybe just the last one I guess, we've been talking about the New World Translation. That is their own Bible. That's their own version of the Bible that uh, they have come up with, the only version of the Bible that has ever been created for the sole purpose of fitting uh, a theology, a pre- preconceived, presupposed theology, making the Word of God conform to a preset, a preconceived theology rather than forming our theology off of the Word of God. In, in other words, basically what the NWT does is what is called eisegesis, reading a meaning into a text, that is not there, rather than exegesis starting with the text and deriving the meaning from the text. Though they just uh, they they read their own meaning into the text, and when the text does not support their theology, well, they just change it. They just change it. Now, I've been giving you some examples of that. What they do with Genesis one, one and two. We talked about that. How they uh, rather than the spirit of God moving over the surface of the waters, they change that to God's active force moving about over the surface of the waters, and they do that because they reject the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Talked about Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, uh, John 1, 1, how they insert insert the definite article A. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the, and the Word was a God. They insert that definite article A that just simply is not there in the Greek. Talked about Colossians one fifteen, Colossians one fifteen through twenty, how they insert the word other numerous times. Talked about Hebrews one, chapter one verse two, uh, how they deny the the deity of Christ, they diminish his deity, uh, deny it essentially. Uh, Titus two thirteen, 
is where I want us to pick up today. Our next example, uh, if you're taking notes, Titus chapter 2, verse 13. And, and again, I'm giving you these so you can write them down and have them as a reference. So next time one of them knocks on your door, uh, you can have these. Maybe you can, maybe you'd even like to uh, make these notes and print it out, make a few copies and stick them in the drawer. So next time a Jehovah's, in fact, you know, as I say that, it's jogging my, jogging my thinking. What I'm wanting to do, I'm going to take these programs, not a full transcript, but I'm going to take these programs and I'm going to write an article on the JWs. I'm going to write an article. And uh, so I'll be working on that over the Christmas holidays and have that for you. So anyway, all right, Titus chapter 2, verse 13. This is another important text that the New World Translation just really mangles and gets wrong. All right, Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Read this to you out of the New American Standard first. It says, Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. That's actually a very... A literal rendering of the Greek text. Looking for the blessed hope in the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to read this to you out of the NWT, the New World Translation, says this, quote, While we wait for the happy hope and glorious manifestation of the great God and of the Savior of us, Christ Jesus. The addition of the words... The words of thee, in other words, of the Savior of us, of thee, uh, that's not in the text. These this these two words, of thee, Savior of us, Christ Jesus, of thee, those two words, of thee, uh, are simply inserted by the NWT. They are not in the original Greek. They're just not there. This is a deliberate attempt to diminish, to deny, really, in effect, just deny the deity of Jesus Christ. Now, reading this text from the Greek or from any reputable English translation, uh, whether it's New American Standard, as I told you before, my go-to translation, uh, New American Standard or the King James or the New King James or the English Standard Version, uh, even the NIV, uh, any any reputable English translation leaves no doubt as to the deity of Christ in this verse. leaves absolutely no doubt. It is unambiguously affirmed in this text. The New World Translation rendering, however, makes it appear as though Paul were referring, or Paul was referring to two persons rather than one and the same. Again, New American Standard says, uh, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. He's referring to one person, Jesus Christ, and he refers to Jesus as the great God, our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. The New World Translation, however, uh, makes it appear as though Paul was referring to two individuals rather than one and the same. NWT makes it appear that Paul is referring to God the Father and Jesus rather than Jesus only, which, of course, is the case. All right, the, 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 I know you don't often put those two words together like that, so I'm, I'm trying to say the quote-unquote the appears in the Greek only before God. It's in the Greek, but it's only before God, not before Jesus. It's not in front of Jesus. It's only in front of God. In other words, it says, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. 
the appearing of the glory, the glory, the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. It's not in front of Christ Jesus. It's only in front of God. And this is the same deliberate adding to the text with a definite article as what the New World Translation does, for example, in John 1, 1 that we looked at in our last program. All, literally, all without exception, all reputable Greek scholars hold the same view on this text that Paul was referring to Jesus and Jesus alone, not the Father and Jesus. He was not referring to two individuals, not referring to two persons. He was referring to one person. And uh, the New World Translation incidentally makes this exact same error, deliberate error, with Second Peter 1, one. You can kind of put Titus 2.13 and Second Peter 1, one. You might want to jot those down kind of like put a bracket around them because the the same error that the NWT makes with Titus 2.13, it makes with 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Read that to you. 2 Peter 1, 1, out of the New American Standard, says this, To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, clearly talking about one and the same person, right? Very clear, very clear, no mistaking of that. But listen to what the NWT does to it. It says this, quote, To those who have acquired a faith as precious as ours through the righteousness of our God and the Savior Jesus Christ. The exact same error that the NWT does with Titus 2.13, in fact, also does with John 1.1, 1, 1. it inserts a definite article that is not in the Greek, it does it here with Second Peter one one. It just inserts the word the in front of Savior Jesus Christ, though it is not there. And this is a deliberate effort on the NWT's part to undermine the personhood and especially the deity of Jesus Christ. There's no reason to insert it. It's not in the text. It's not in the Greek. They just insert it there because they want to diminish the deity of Christ. And again, this is them starting with a, a presupposed theology. They don't like the deity of Christ, and so they make their translation fit their theology, even though their theology does not fit the text, does not fit the text. All right, let's look at another example. John chapter 8, verse 58. John 8:58 This is a very well-known known statement from our Savior. Jesus says, "Before Abraham was, I am." Okay? Before Abraham was, I am. Very simple. We all know that verse, know that statement. If we don't know the chapter, the the address of the verse, we know the statement. Before Abraham was, I am. Here's what the NWT does to it. Quote, "Before Abraham came into existence, I have been." I have been. Now, you might be thinking, well, that sounds very similar. Well, it's it it might sound similar at first, but when you look at it, it's very, very different. When Jesus, or quote-unquote, when Jesus, quote-unquote, in an NWT says, before Abraham, before Abraham came into existence, I have been. It's not the same thing as saying before Abraham was, I am. Uh, Jesus, in John 8, 58, clearly applied the divine name of God tetragrammaton that we call it the, to himself affirming his deity the tetragrammaton this is of course this is the name of god 
that God used to identify himself to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. Recall this. Uh, when God spoke to Moses through the burning bush, said, take off your sandals, take off your shoes, your sandals, uh, for you're standing on holy ground and commissioned Moses to go into Egypt. Moses didn't want to do it. Who, who should I tell him that you are? And God said, I am, I am that that's the name of that God gives to himself. I am. And when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, he was clearly, clearly applying the title that God used in the burning bush to himself. Now remember, Jesus is saying this to the Jews who would have known full well what he was doing. When they hear when they hear the, the name when it, when they heard Jesus say I am, that would have you know, every bell and whistle in their noggins would have been going off. Like, wait a minute, what? I am he's saying I am? They would have known exactly what he was doing. Exactly what he was doing. In fact, as evidence of that, they immediately tried to stone him. And uh, then they, that was in John 8, and then they tried to stone him again two chapters later in John chapter 10 uh, for basically making the same claim, making himself out to be God. They tried to stone him again. And so in using this name, Jesus was claiming to be the I Am. He was claiming to be the same one who brought the Hebrews out of Egypt, the same one who parted the Red Sea for them, the same one who who commanded the Red Sea to, to go back together and drown the Egyptians. God was, or Jesus was making this claim about himself. He's saying that, that God, the same one who spoke to Moses and through the burning bush, that was me. That was me before Abraham was. I am. And yet the NWT changes it because the NWT would have you believe that Jesus is simply Michael the Archangel, that Jesus and Michael the Archangel are the same person. But Jesus was created, just as Michael the Archangel, of course, was created, and he was. They say that's who Jesus is. He's Michael the Archangel, so therefore Jesus was created. So yes, Jesus may have been created before Abraham, but he was still created. That's why they do this. That's why they do it. It is, it is evil. It is nefarious. It is diabolical. It is intentional. Uh, it is a full frontal attack on the deity of Jesus Christ, dear friends. Full frontal attack. And if you ever have a JW tell you, well, our translation, the New World Translation, is the most accurate translation out there. Greek scholars have said this. No, you tell them flat out, no, it's not true. And you know it not to be true because I'm giving you all these examples. And we're not done yet. I want to give you some more. Let us proceed. Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. Matthew 25, verse 46. Read this to you as I do customarily from the New American Standard, and then we'll read it in the NWT. New American Standard, Matthew 25, 46. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. All right, fairly straightforward, right? Well, let me read this to you out of the NWT. It says this, And these will depart into everlasting cutting off, everlasting cutting off, but the righteous ones into everlasting life. Now, if you're kind of... You know how dogs do? When you, <laughs> yeah, I have a little dog. Kathy got me this uh, little dog, Mia, about a year ago, 
And, you know, I love it how dogs will look at you. If you say something and they're, they're kind of trying to figure out what they cock their head, you know how dogs do that? It's adorable, isn't it? And it just warms my heart every time I see a dog do that. Talk to a dog and he's trying to figure you out. And so he kind of cocks his head like, huh? Well, um, maybe, maybe you just did that when you heard me read this. When you heard the terms, uh, everlasting cutting off and you go, huh? Like, what, what is that? Well, uh, the word here rendered by the New American Standard as, Eternal punishment is the in the Greek is the word kolason, and it means guess what? It means punishment, eternal punishment. Well, okay, eternal is its own word, aeon, or derivative of that word. But punishment is kolason, and it means literally punishment. That's what it means. It means punishment. It does not mean cutting off. It does not mean cutting off. But see, the NWT does this because they do not like the doctrine of eternal conscious punishment. They do not like the doctrine of hell. Remember, if you heard the um, first, it's probably the first program I did when I was replaying the, the conversation between myself and John and Patricia. John asked me, because we started off talking about hell, he said, was something done to you, <laughs> you know, when you were, when you were, when you were younger, maybe was something done to you or one of your, one of your family members, and maybe that's why you believe in, in eternal punishment. Because when somebody hurts us or hurts one of our loved ones, we want that person to suffer. I almost felt like he was trying to put me on his on his couch, like he was some therapist or something, and I was his patient. And, uh, you know, I was like, uh, no, no, nobody's done anything to me, nothing like that. But even, the, even if they had, it's beside the point. It's a bunch of psychobabble. Well, they don't like the doctrine of eternal punishment, and so they try to get around it. And this is one of the ways they do it. They take scriptures that are very clear about eternal punishment, and they change it. Matthew twenty-five forty-six: These will depart into everlasting cutting off. That's their doctrine of annihilationism. They will just be cut off. The evil will be cut off. They'll just cease to exist. It's kind of like I said before. It's, it would be like 1972 for me, the year before I was born. I just wasn't here, just wasn't around. Uh, I, but I wasn't being punished. I didn't know anything. I wasn't wasn't even in existence. Uh, that's what they believe happens to people who refuse Jehovah, that they just finally are cut off. They just cease to exist. Poof. Vaporize, go out of existence. And yet, dear friends, that is a doctrine that is not supported by Scripture. Now, I think if we were to be honest, um, you know, when I think about hell, it bothers me. When I think about being in eternal flame, where the fire is not quenched, where the worm does not die, um, wailing, weeping, gnashing of teeth, wanting just a drop of water on the tip of my tongue. I, I, my circuit breakers trip. I, I cannot comprehend the horrors of that. And sure, there's a part of me, I'll freely admit, there's a part of me that would like to, that, that would like to believe, well, maybe, maybe the J-dubs are right on this one. You know, they're, yeah, they're wrong and everything. Maybe they're right on that one. Because I would not wish hell on my very worst enemy. Not that I have a lot of enemies to my knowledge. There's some people out there who don't like me. I know that. I've, I've looked up my, looked myself up on YouTube. There's Trust me, there's a lot of people out there who don't like me. 
But um, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I, I wouldn't wish that on Hitler. I mean, it, it's my circuit breakers trip. But but then then I just I've got to engage my my theology. I've got to engage my theological gears here, and I've got to remember just how holy God is. Holy, holy, holy. And when we think about his, the blazing, white-hot holiness of our God, the, the holiness that, that makes the angels cover their eyes, uh, that, that is that when we realize that that is the one against whom we have sinned, that is the one against whom we have, uh, we have transgressed, we have offended him, how holy he is and how eternal he is, then then hell becomes a bit more reasonable, to use that word, a bit more understandable. The reason hell seems so, it's so jarring to us is because sometimes, even as believers, uh, we tend to have a diminished view of God. But hell is reasonable. Hell is right. Hell is just because God is just and he is holy. Okay. All right, dear friends, uh, where our time is about gone. I have a few more examples of uh, these that we'll wrap up in our next program, wrap up our um, discussion of the New World Translation, and then we'll go into a couple of other matters, and then we'll be done with the series on the, Je- on the Jehovah's Witnesses. So I hope that this has been interesting, helpful for you. We've got one or two more days, one or two more programs, and we will wrap it up, and we will move on to other things. So i uh, give you a little bit of an update. I get an email from you every once in a while asking about my book. My book is it is in the formatter's hands. Uh, John Manning, uh, a man whom I, with whom I've become acquainted, lives in Texas. He is formatting my book now. It's out of my hands. He's doing it. And so, Lord willing, I should have physical copies in my hand ready to make available to you before Christmas, before Christmas, so they should be done. I'm, I know I've been saying that for a long time. It's just this has been a much more uh, laborious process than what I'd uh, initially envisioned. So anyway, finished product should be in hand in a few weeks. If you would like to go on a cruise, um, next May, May of 2017, I and Dr. Brian Hughes from Grace Bible Church in Bozeman, Montana, we will be going on a Footsteps of Paul cruise in May of 2017. You can find more information about that at livingpassages.com, livingpassages.com. And we'll be going to see a number of the places that we read about in our New Testament. We're going to go see Thessaloniki. We're going to see Berea. We're going to see Malta. We're going to see Patmos. We're going to see uh, Corinth. We're going to see a lot of these. We're going to see the... Uh, the Parthenon, and uh, I think even the Colosseum. So a lot of these places that uh, we read about in the New Testament, uh, we will go see Footsteps of Paul. It's um, it's a cruise. Half of it's a cruise. Half of it's on land. So we'll be in hotel a few nights, cruise the other night. So looking forward to that. Brian will be teaching. I will be teaching. And so if you can go to that, uh, make plans at livingpassages.com. All right, dear friends, thank you so much. And Lord willing, I look forward to our time together tomorrow. And until then, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, 
or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.